Good morning, everyone. This is Anna, and you are tuned in into KDRT 95.7, Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. Today, we'll be going into our news, um, starting with Group 1, that will talk about arts and culture. Group 1, whenever you are ready. Good morning, everyone. We're Group 1. We're called the Zoomers. We'll be starting with myself, then be followed by Molly, then Victoria, and finally closing with Lucky. For today's segment, I want to take advantage of this platform I'm given as a student and discuss the role music has played in a woman's life who is a mother, a wife, and a part-time worker, and my cousin. Her name's Maria. Something our media lacks is the representation of real human beings. Women like Maria are often forgotten and disregarded in films, books, and photography. Women in my family and many other women in the music industry use music as therapy and give us relief in our hardships and reminds us of the good times when we're down. As family and a friend of Maria, I would like to briefly share her lovely relationship with music and how it helps her go about throughout her busy day. What role does music play in your daily life? It plays a really important role. I listen to music for everything. It's really hard having a job, being a housewife with three little kids, and I'm just like busy all day. And listening to music is just like a way I can kind of escape from the from that, relax for a little bit, take five minutes, and have fun while I'm doing everything I have to do daily because it, music just makes everything funner. You grew up with a mother and a grandmother who play music while cleaning and they just pour out their souls as they're singing the lyrics of the music. So how do you identify with these women? Well, I, I can say that I do exact, the exact same thing that they do, that they used to do. And I, I see a reflection of myself when I was young and my kids. It's like, it's something we just learn. You hear the songs, you grow up, and they're not even songs from my time. I wasn't even born, and I just grew to love those songs. And that's the same thing that's happening with my kids. I do the same thing. I listen to the songs, sing them, lyrics, everything. And my kids do the same thing. They just start singing songs out of nowhere. And I, I think it's really actually something really beautiful to bring down, you know, that love for music. Yeah. And any type of music. It doesn't matter what kind, just love for music in general. Wow, that's amazing. Um, not all women have the privilege of being stay-at-home mothers or wives, and that's the case for many women in this country. As Mother's Day is soon approaching, I would like to applaud every other mother or mother figures that have remained resilient during these hard times. Thank you. All right, nice work, Jackie. Um, so last weekend, the I got to go with my family to the Frida Kahlo exhibit at the De Young Museum in SF, which finally reopened. So I interviewed my mom about that, and then we went on a bit of a tangent about printers at the end. Hi, mom. Hi, hi, Tyler. <laughs> Hi, Molly, you know who you are. Starting off good. 
So we went to the Frida exhibit this weekend. Yes, we did. And I have some questions. Okay. What was your favorite part of the exhibit? The favorite part of my exhibit. What struck out in my mind was, besides all, for me, the obvious beauty of all of her, her attire, I loved seeing the parts about when she referred to disability and her very strong national identity. And yeah, it's all that. And then I also like the part where for the first time ever, I saw her in the photograph, a family photograph of her short hair. I've mm-hmm. never seen her with that short hair. Mm-hmm. Talking about gender identity. Mm-hmm. And it was just really, yeah. The new, I always look for the new. Do you also wish that you had a spider monkey? No, I don't. I love my cat, Bruno. Uh-huh. And a sp- I, my favorite monkey would be an orangutan. Uh-huh. But I do see why she had a love of monkeys. Okay. So I do like the monkey group. Did your impression of Frida change after the exhibit? No, my impression of Frida did not change. If anything, I was just so much more appreciative of her and her strong voice during her time. Again, mm-hmm. identity, you know, disabilities, mm-hmm. speaking for people need to be spoken for. She was talking about all that back then. She called it out way back then. Mm-hmm. She had the power to do it. Okay. I think I, should I, you think I should call this segment Hot Takes with Linda? Hot Take? I have, I'll like throw out some yeah. arts and culture topics and then just like your gut reaction. Okay. Yayoi Kusama's polka dots. Oh, I love her polka dots. Hot Take? The banana tape to a wall. A banana taped to a wall. Mm-hmm. I would say that would be art. Hot take. Who do you think would win in a fight, me or Tyler, your other child? Verbal fight, you would win. Physical fight, he would win. Okay, I'll take I that. I just already know that. You had a karate belt, though, so. Hot take. Printers. I need printers all the time because I'm old-fashioned. I need hard copy, and I need to look at things all the time. Mm-hmm. I need printers. Printers are great. Why don't they ever work, though? Printers work for me. The one time it didn't work for me was at my office the other day, and I was so PO'd that I called IT. My favorite IT person came on. He spent 45 minutes with me trying to make my printer work with my computer. That's how much I believe in a printer. Seriously. Okay. Well, thank you for entertaining me. You're welcome, honey. And entertaining my questions. Thank you. All right. That's it? That's it. Love you. Love you, too. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'll throw it over to Victoria. Thanks, Molly. Um, Hi, guys. This is Victoria. Today, I'm going to talk about cars. Uh, The 2021 Shanghai International Automobile Industry Exhibition was the with the theme of Embrace Change, was held in Shanghai a few days ago. In order to find out more about the car exhibition, I spoke to a friend who just visited the show. Hi, Alan. So you went to the Shanghai Auto Show a few days ago. What do you think? Well, I think it's great. I saw the latest technology from various car brands and some cool concept cars, especially many electric cars. I think it's the first major international auto show in the world since COVID-19. 
So everybody is very excited. So do you think there are any highlights in this year's auto show? Yeah, this year Huawei, Alibaba, Baidu, and many other internet and high-tech Chinese companies entered the automotive industry. I think this indicates that the future car will no longer be just a means of transportation or a mechanical product. That will be integrated with the internet, big data, and and artificial intelligence. So, what changes do you think the theme of the, this auto show embrace change represents? I believe that embrace change represents changes in new trends such as electrification, intelligence, and connectivity. And it's also an opportunity for traditional media companies to transform. For example, I see that as the inventor of the automobile, Mercedes-Benz is obviously unwilling to hand over its position in the auto industry to emerging companies. The EQS models exhibited at Shanghai Auto Show are not only the flagship products of Mercedes-Benz electric vehicles, but also reflect Mercedes-Benz redefinition of electric cars in the electrify era. At the same time, they seem to be observing that they're not out of date on behalf of electric car companies. So would you like to buy an electric car in the future? It depends on the trend in the future. If electric cars become more popular, then I might consider it buying one, but not yet. Okay, thank you for your time. So this is a short conversation I had with my friend Alan about the Shanghai Auto Show. Now let's move on to the next person. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the show. So May the Fourth is next week, and since my topic is on art and culture, now would be a perfect time to talk about Star Wars. And who else would I interview on the subject other than my roommate John Doe, ladies and gentlemen? Just give it a John John Doe. All right, all right. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. In this time. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. So after the catastrophe that was The Last Jedi and Rise of the Skywalker, where do you think the series is going to go at this point? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. And, and I've put a lot of thought into the answer. And so, you know, I think that they're going to come to Earth. I think that um, the, the galaxy far, far away is just a couple of, of light speed jumps away from our solar system. I think they're gonna pull like a like a like a weird pseudo Battlestar Galactica thing, and they're gonna pop up at either you know past Earth or or or, or future Earth primordial uh, future uh, tense, and and that's how they're gonna do. It. Okay, this this should be like a really easy one. So, who's your favorite Star Wars character? All right, you know th this is another one of those questions, man. You really hitting them uh, 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 questions that I've been thinking about a lot uh, ever since I've seen you know. Um, prequels in the West Edge, and you know, you are, you are doing, 
Mace Windu, man. Um, and, and, for, and for reasons, you know what I'm saying? He got the purple lightsaber. I smoke perp. It makes sense. So I've been doing some digging, and I found an article stating that Disney is teasing a release of a hyper-realistic lightsaber. Please tell me why that's a bad idea. Wow, um, a, you say a, a realistic uh, a lightsaber? Yeah, like, re- realistic? A real lightsaber. Wow. Um, cool, to dimensions and, and, and all that. They're going to have the crystals in there. They found the crystals. All right, well, listen, man. You know, for me, it, 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 that there's a lot of risks um, in, involved. You know, um, you, you'll put your eye out. Um, you know, and, and so you, you're going to have to have a lot of controls, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, protocol before people. Does it come in purple? I don't think it. I mean... We no? don't know yet. Okay. Well, they've yet to, you know, actually premiere. Well, I mean, well, you know, I'll be honest with you. If, it, if they, if I, if I can get a purple lightsaber, I'm all for it. Uh, of course. Okay. Of course. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely. And it looks like I'm out of time. I'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great morning. Okay. Now we shall pass it on to group two with sports. And all for that to be said and that's it for the zoomers next up is group two also known as vape take it away the floor is yours all right hey guys so um our group is vague and we will be um discussing the topic um involving sports so um i'm gonna first introduce the um the interview i conducted while i was at the gym and it's talking about mental health and just working out. So let me just share my screen real quick or share my sound, sorry. All right, hey guys. So I'm currently at Planet Fitness and with me, I have Christian and Marjorie, who are both college students. And I'm going to be asking them a couple questions that are relating to mental health and working out. So uh, I guess I could start off. The first question would be, since early pandemic, what are ways that have helped you with your mental health? Well, since the gyms were closed, um, we'd have to basically look for like home workouts. So we would go on YouTube, search up like home workouts, or and we had dogs here, and so we would take them on for like walks or like runs. And we would go outside more often, actually, which was not too bad. But you know, it wasn't the gym. So since gym started opening up back again. Um, have you guys like started like going more? Yeah, I'm. I signed up for the first time, um, ever since we could start going again. Me too. Um, for me, I used to go to the gyms that were offered at school, but since we're back home, I've been going to Planet Fitness, and it's also my first time signing up for like an actual gym, which is exciting. Um, um, especially like being college students, how has like exercise played into your daily lives? It's been um, helpful since like we're at home all day and um, <clears throat> we could go out and go to the gym and spend time with each other while we're at the gym and be able to like get our minds off like schoolwork and all the things we've been doing at home. Uh, 
And yeah, that was just a, a short uh, interview that's talking about the mental health and working out. And I think um, I kind of related to their, um, like some of the points they mentioned too, because I think especially being college students, um, it gets like very stressful at times, especially during Zoom, which can like cause like Zoom fatigue and stuff. So I feel like working out does great, has like great benefits to your mental health. And did anyone else want to chime in too? Um, yeah, uh, I thought, um, well, a couple years ago, I used to work out a lot, <laughs> very excessively, like three times a day. Um, I had weight training and then I also had kickboxing and then I did my own separate uh, workout and that was like mentally I was like in a bad place so that's like all I wanted to do but um, like recently like I've learned to like take it slow and then do it at my own pace so now when I actually do it it's to calm myself down um, you know because it helps me relieve anxiety and stuff like that so I do believe that it does help uh, with mental health and other people I've talked to that's what they would like to because that's the only thing that they can think can help us as opposed to you know taking like medication and stuff like that yeah I, I agree with you um I think like last year I used to go um like jogging um well I'm not really a very athletic person but that's like one of the few things that I would do and now I just, I don't know, I'm just like kind of paranoid. So I don't really want to jog anymore, like at the moment. But it's like, um, yeah, it's just, it's a little difficult just not being outside because, you know, when you're like locked up in your room all day and on the computer and doing homework, it just gets really stressful. And you kind of feel like you're like in a cage. So yeah, it's, it, it's been very difficult just during COVID times. Yeah, I feel like um, since like mental health resources are very like hard to like find or like kind of like, um, I guess, take, um, I guess like working out is like a great like alternative since like not everyone has like the necessary resources to find them. So, yeah. Um, I actually read an article just kind of talking about um, like sports teams and how it can be like what kind of risk that poses, you know, spreading COVID. Um, I'll just give you guys a little bit of information what I read on the article. It, um, it mentioned that there's prelim preliminary data that suggests that one in five people with COVID could end up with heart inflammation. And, you know, millions of Americans compete in sports and you kind of think, well, how much can this spread if you have like there's some sports that are very close contact and even if you have a mask it, you know it's still kind of dangerous um and something else that I learned is that they do do cardiac screening but it's only for athletes that show like symptoms but as we know um it can be asymptomatic so it's kind of difficult to really I feel like it's kind of difficult to really take care of their athletes um, what do you guys think? Do you guys think like sports, like competing in sports is a little bit dangerous right now? I mean, it could be dangerous if not the right um, steps are taken to prevent it. Like if you don't like clean, like let's say if you're like doing wrestling and you don't clean the mats, 
that's just a whole awful lot of, um, you know, just it being bad. But then you also get the close contact and then you have to make sure this is where the vaccination cards are going to come in handy. You're going to you're going to have to be vaccinated in order to participate in um, close contact sports. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, I actually prepared the article about the indoor and outdoor sports and how COVID-19 affects exercise indoors. Uh, with rapid spread of virus throughout the country, most regions have taken action to prevent people from exercising indoors at all. Um, no matter how good the environment is, there is a high risk of exposure to others who exhale violently while exercising. And the article says that virus can spread through the, a wide range of sports such as gymnastics, skiing, and so on. But uh, it says if there is a good ventilation and everyone is wearing a mask and staying distant to one another, and there is good environmental cleaning, the chance of keeping everyone safe is dramatically enhanced. And most of gym is open now, reopened now. Most of people have been vaccinated, but I think we're still at risk. So we must wear a mask if, even we, even if we're a little out of bed yeah, when we exercise, I think. Yeah, I feel like during um, like middle of the pandemic, I guess, when like the COVID, like COVID was still like very much like, like everyone was like, I know like it was still like very like dangerous more than it is now um I feel like like there was a time where the gyms did open and like I feel like this like statistics from like COVID um like within like the gyms were like extremely high so there was a time like where I was like kind of scared well I didn't even go to the gym primarily because of that reason so yeah I think like taking the necessary um like precaution just like being safe overall is like very important oh uh, one thing i did want to talk about was the tokyo olympics and its punishment for athletes who take a knee or raise their fist in protest um the international olympics committee um stated that they would punish any of those who do that as a form of protest, uh, one of the reasons was because it'll take away the focus from the Olympics itself. Um, and according to one of their surveys, it was only 70% of athletes felt that they did not want any type of protest in like the stadiums, podiums, etc. And it's kind of interesting because then it begs the question, how much influence do athletes have? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, that really just sounds bad. I think, I don't think it distracts from, you know, the activities. I think, you know, their, their athletes are allowed to have their own opinions if there's, like, they think there's some kind of injustice happening. Um, I don't know, it just, I don't know, it just makes you uncomfortable how, like, they don't want them to, like, express themselves, especially for something that I think is, like, a valid reason to protest. Um. Well, actually, one of the rule, which is Rule 50, condemns any form of demonstration or political, religious, or racial propaganda in the Olympic venues, which is very quite interesting mm-hmm. um, to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I think as long as it's not creating some creating some kind of harm, like I don't think it's it's harmful for them to protest what they think is like injustice. So yeah, I just I don't know. It's just I guess it just sucks. And then you kind of have to think about how other sports are gonna like take this into account in their own um, venues if they're gonna create the same thing, making it political. Um, very much political just so that they have control over the athletes and what they do Mm -hmm. um i i don't know i just feel like it's like those organizations that they don't want to take a political stance because then they lose their audience i mean that's what i'm assuming is like going on i feel like as long as it doesn't harm anyone else then i feel like any like any chance you get to like stand in solidarity with other like marginalized communities I feel like why not so yeah I definitely am for taking any yeah well that's all the time we have um I will pass it on to group three all right thank you group two now on to science and technology so our group name is Guangbo, and we have Michael here. Hello, nice to meet you all. Well, you saw me last, well, heard me last week, but uh, here I am again. And we also have Jingyi. Hi, hello, I'm Jingyi. And Joshua, who is not here, but he'll be speaking to us. And myself, Aiden Brady. So the topic we have today is drones, and we're going to play for you a interview I did with a drone technician. So here you go, hope you enjoy. So why don't we start by you telling us who you are, where you work, and what your job is. Um, Chad Brady, uh, I work at Andrew Industries. I'm a flight test associate, and I test counter UAS. Uh, at a test site in Southern California. And what is counter UAS? So counter UAS is basically a type of system that counters drones such as like DJI, drones, hobby drones, unique, parrot, that type of stuff. So basically, if you were flying a DJI drone in an area you're not supposed to, our system would take down your DJI drone one way or another. Have there been any recent uh, developments or news in the drone industry? Uh, yeah, so there's been a few different things happening. Um, currently, the, a certain company, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they're testing a basically a fighter jet drone, an autonomous combat jet that can drop payloads, um, which is pretty significant. That is basically going to take a change warfare as we know it. A lot of different things happening are also... You know, AI is being introduced into drones, which is something that my company is currently doing. Right now, we have um, our Lattice system, which is basically an AI that plugs in all our different types of drones, like our Ghost UAS, our towers, and it makes it all onto one interface. Um, So that's AI-powered. Basically, AI has been new and recent to the industry. How is the – how is this fighter jet drone – how is that different from – a predator or reaper drone so the fighter jet drone saw reaper is autonomous up to a sense where you upload a flight plan 
you have someone controlling the camera and the payload, and you launch and fire on a target, or however you, you know, whatever the requirements for the mission are. This combat jet is meant for dropping more significant payloads or actual air-to-air combat type applications, which it's looking forward to in the future. So this wouldn't be just a air-to-ground type system that's autonomous. This could be an air-to-air on top of being air-to-ground. And my last question is, do you imagine any certain sort of future um, with the drone industry, or what do you think the future looks like for drones and, you know, society and stuff like that? Uh, So basically, on a military level, drones are going to become a huge part. Um, Right now, the military needs to catch up to these types of systems because currently our adversaries or other countries or other powers are they're banking in and putting a lot into autonomous and autonomous systems and drones, basically. Um, on the home side, basically, on the commercial, like here in the U.S., drones are going to be the face of security or the face of delivery, like Amazon, FedEx, UPS deliveries. Um, but they're also going to be the face of security. So instead of besides having cameras fencing, cameras and fencing around, you can also have an autonomous drone that launches at any sort of movements, sensors around your perimeter. Um, you know, more autonomous monitoring could help with, you know, in the rescue side, fire, PD, which is currently starting to pick up uh, some momentum in those types of departments. Um, you know, you have basically land management, crops, all that stuff. Drones going to be huge. It's starting to take over that, too. It's going to be a really necessary part um, of keeping everything efficient and maintaining everything. And it's making everything more efficient already, as its current applications are with the current technology. And as that gets more advanced, it's going to play an even bigger part and take an even bigger role in society. Awesome. Well, that's all I have. Thank you very much for being interviewed. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pretty interesting stuff. Now, quickly, before we start our discussion about the interview, let's go ahead and read off the station ID. You are listening to KDRT 95.7 on the FM dial, broadcasting from Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. Now, I think like drones are a pretty interesting topic because I think on one hand, they're pretty interesting. And I think that they're like, they've got a lot of applications outside of, uh, I don't know, like spying on people. I don't know. But like at the same time, obviously, you know, they're a little bit, you know, I don't know, kind of worrisome because I feel like now that there are drones and they're readily available to the market, you know, do people's privacy tend to like go down after that? You know, I feel like that's a pretty relevant question. What do you think, Aiden? Definitely, I think um, it's sort of causing this anxiety or fear that, you know, (laughs) society is becoming completely robotic and stuff like that controlled by machines. So it's definitely doing some cool stuff, but also, it's you know you just think about the movie where any robot takes over (laughs) terminator terminator with drones (laughs) yeah it's just worrisome do you have anything jingyi uh yeah actually in china more and more people start to play with drones uh the toy uh, they they give their children uh, uh, drones toys uh, for uh, gifts, and on, even on the street, I can see a lot of people playing with uh, different size of drones, and also I was uh, have an internship 
in one of the um, television station. Um, they also use drones to record some um, like they some uh, big bigger pictures like bridge, ocean, river, and the image is really beautiful. Um, oh, like like B roll and stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, I yeah. didn't I didn't know that it's actually being used in like news stations right now. I mean, obviously, I feel like on the internet, like people use them for YouTube videos and for I don't know. I feel like probably even in some big picture productions that they would use drones for, I don't know, getting some shot that they couldn't get with a helicopter. But I didn't know that they used them for news. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, they used it for uh, a lot of news about uh, environment and uh, oh. uh, about uh, when they introduced a new um, park or ocean or river, they will use uh, this technology to have right. a bigger view or higher view, they cannot shoot uh, by a regular cameras. Right, right. Dang, that's crazy. I also heard that recently, well, I guess not recently, probably a while ago now, uh, the Amazon drones actually got approved by the FAA to actually start delivering packages. I think it was sometime in 2020. Uh, but that's pretty significant as well, considering that I, I believe that that idea has been in the talks for a couple of years now and, and really hasn't moved too far but i guess it's starting to move now which is pretty interesting i think it'll be kind of cool you know to get your packages delivered by drones but also i don't know it goes back to that whole uh oh, just a little worried <laughs> yeah definitely um should we move on to Sony? oh yeah yeah so actually uh one of our co-hosts uh wasn't able to make it with us today he actually his internet in his house went down so he sent in a small section about sony and technology that he wished to talk to us about and i will play that for you now this is from josh i don't know about you guys but one of my favorite memories is for christmas i literally begged my mom to get me a playstation and i was probably like six or seven and they'd been out for a couple of years so they went down in price but i mean she was still very reluctant to get it for me i literally had to get all straight a's for the entire year in order to get my playstation but she showed up with it for christmas and it's one of my favorite memories um but that brings me to the new generation of playstation um for some reason i really really enjoy where sony has gone with the playstation um I was one of the lucky ones to actually uh, get to hook up um, for one of my friends from a PlayStation 5 for less than like 800 bucks, which is what they're going for now. And that is ridiculous. I do not think that they're worth that, but I am a fan of how great they actually are. Um, but the the one thing that Sony has kept is, at least for me, in every console there is like a jump of something and most recently the 4k um consoles have been what people really really want because 4k is like the best thing i guess it's the most consumer available but um sony has actually kept up and the reason why i love my playstation so much is because it is it feels like future technology and um, it's not too fancy. It's nothing special about it, but um, it's just not 
it doesn't feel the same way uh, as the Xbox Series X does. And I know a lot of Xbox haters out there are probably going to be mad, but you know what? It is what it is. Um, it's, it's, it's a better console overall because to me, it feels like the future of gaming. And um, I, I just got to say, the PlayStation 5 is, is pretty dope. Um, Sony in general has kept up with the technology and how it has advanced. And because of that, they're able to incorporate that technology into their console. The worst part about the PlayStation 5 for me is that they do not have any exclusives yet. And I think that was the biggest appeal for the Xbox when it first came out was the ability to play their Xbox exclusives. But personally, I think they've run Halo into the ground um, and right behind it is Gears of War. They're two games that they keep making and they're just not getting better. Um, I'm, I'm not going to turn this into an Xbox Series X bash fest, but I do like that they bought Bethesda, and I hope to see what exclusives they make with that in the future. But um, right now, I, I feel like even without the PlayStation exclusives, um, PlayStation is definitely the console of the future. And for whatever reason, Microsoft can't catch up. They're they're behind the curve a little bit, and Japan is ahead of the curve. Um, and, and it's interesting because the next biggest thing is VR and PlayStation can already do VR. And if you've ever done VR, you know, it's absolutely crazy. Um, it feels like you're there, even though, you know, you're not. Um, and I'm not talking like the VR that you do, like with your phone and the little glasses. I'm talking like the big chunky thing that smacks to the top of your forehead. And, <laughs> uh, it, and that's the biggest thing about it is it, it's hard to do. Uh, right now and PlayStation actually has the ability to do it and um, I mean I, I think it's the future so we'll see where it goes from there correction I got one more thing to add um, if you want to play me on anything I got 2k FIFA um, I got uh, you name it uh, if you want to jump online on cyberpunk like I got you um, uh, my gamer tag alpha m-i-c-o-l-e alpha my Cole. Um I like just hit me up you will get balled up in 2K, though. I will tell you that right now. I'm not afraid to say that I got game on and off the court. All right. And that is all we have for science and technology. So we'll go to group four for world and politics. All right. You are listening to Connect Four. The name of this group is Connect Four. And I am your host, Stephen Regalia, one of your hosts today. I have a mild concussion, but that's fine because today we are passing on the mic to Natalia, who has an interview ready for us. So Natalia, would you like to share your interview? Yeah, so I was actually able to um, interview one of my friends who's an elementary school teacher and with all the news coming out about schools possibly returning to in-person by the fall, hopefully, for the sake of all students who are stuck on Zoom right now. Um, we were just able to talk about that and what that looks like for her, as well as how it went for her being put onto Zoom out of nowhere. So yeah, we'll pass it on to Sandy so she can go ahead and play that audio for us. 
All right, today we will be interviewing Ms. Velasquez, and she's an elementary teacher at Willow Cove. So Ms. Velasquez, how has teaching in this pandemic changed the way you do things? So um, we got sent home on Friday the 13th in March, 2020. And ever since then, my whole life has turned upside down. <laughs> um, the district I work in is a, in a low income community and we are not a one-to-one -one district, meaning that not every kid has a device that they can use for themselves or take it home. So it was a huge challenge at the beginning because the students did not have, well, not everyone, most of the students did not have appropriate devices at home to actually continue learning. So I'm from, from March to June, my students struggled a lot because they were joining from uh, cell phones or iPads that didn't support all of the websites that we use at work or at school. So it was a huge challenge. My coworker and I had to uh, completely from scratch start units and have it be accessible for all students using the Google Drive apps. And yeah, it just, it was super time consuming. We were making lessons nonstop for hours every single day, just making sure that everyone was able to practice everything we learned previously in the year. But it was tough for my students last year. This year, it was way easier because, you know, the state gave the schools a lot of funding for devices and for all the kids to have appropriate materials at home to learn um, distance learning. So it was way easier this year, still a little bit difficult because we still made our lessons from scratch, making it super easy and accessible for all the kids, trying to pre-record videos, just explaining the same uh, things that we were explaining live because aside from them having devices, a lot of them didn't have good Wi-Fi connection. So sometimes I would lag, my voice would go out. They just didn't hear anything. They would, you know, they would completely just blank out, have no idea what was happening, or they didn't know how to troubleshoot. So if they would like accidentally erase the instructions on an assignment, then I would have to go into every single assignment and do it. Now they can easily troubleshoot on their own. So we spent a lot of time learning about technology and how to troubleshoot but it has definitely been terrible. <laughs> I would never recommend this. I don't know how people can teach from home or professors teach from home. Maybe it's because it's older kids, but not older kids, they work with adults, but because I work with kids, uh, luckily I do fifth grade. So they are a little bit more independent than the lower grades, but it has definitely been tough and I have definitely questioned whether I wanted to stay in this profession if we were to continue distance learning, but hopefully that's not the case for next school year. So with the news of schools possibly going back to in-person in the fall, how do you think that will affect you? Do you think it'll be an easy turnover or are you going to have to change the way you do things all over again? Um. I think we're definitely going to have to change things or the way we do everything. Um, at the moment, my district isn't sure if we're going to do hybrid learning, if it's going to be in person 100% of the time. So 
you know, we're kind of just on standby seeing what's going to happen. Um, I know when we do go back, uh, a lot of the safety and health protocols are still going to be in place. So I don't know how it's going to work out based off of like exceeding charts or even their recess times. I know they were going to be staggered. So I don't know. I guess everything's up in the air for us right now. And then you will still have to wear masks. And I know a lot of people are getting vaccinated and they just put out that people who are vaccinated have both of the doses can go around with no masks. Do you think teachers will be walking around with no masks or will they stay masked? I think teachers will still stay masked, um, at least from the ones that I've talked to so far. A lot of them have children that are immunocompromised or they just, you know, there's still not too much information about if kids can get it or uh, pass it on to someone else. So I think we all have contact with like older relatives in our family that even if we're all vaccinated, it's still kind of risky. So I think just having that much contact with kids and then kids having a whole lot of contact with their families and us not knowing like how many people they interact with on a daily I think that's just like a risk that teachers are taking right there of not wearing masks. I think we're going to have to wear masks. I think I would feel more comfortable wearing a mask most of the time, even if we're allowed to take them off after being fully vaccinated. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, so with all that being said, I know that this past year has been really hard for all the teachers, but um, we thank you for all your hard work and all the work that you're putting into working with these students and having them excel in all areas of academics. And we wish you the best of luck. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your time. Right, so that was our interview with Ms. Velasquez about returning to in-person. So now I'll bring the conversation over to our group Connect Four. How do you guys feel about going back to school in person and do you have any reservations about that? Honestly, I have no reservations. At this point, like, I'm just ready. I don't know, like, I, it, it's at the point where like, even if there is, a risk I can't even like process it like <laughs> whatever happens this year happens after like it's been what 14 months now I I can't even like like I just met up with someone who I hadn't seen in over a year and the last time I saw them it was during the pandemic and that was over a year ago I'm just ready for it to end so yeah. I think like any any possible risk that could happen I just I'm willing to take. <laughs> I agree. I'm super ready to go back to campus. Um, and it was really interesting to hear the perspective on an elementary school teacher, since we're like so used to um, like professors and like lectures that teach us like um, adults. And like, I think we're more, we would be like more prepared to go back to in-person than like a toddler or a child will be. <laughs> And we also have the advantage of like knowing how to work with technology, like she said. Like yeah. even now in this class, sometimes we struggle like getting our audio to work. So I can't imagine like a five or six year old having to struggle with that. Like that must be really tough for them. 
Oh my god, like I, I've been having so many like microphone issues and like I can't figure out what's wrong with my microphone. All I can imagine is if like my uh, 60 year old dad was doing this, if someone's like your mic's not working, like I don't know what my my dad would do if he was having that problem, probably just give up. So. Yeah, shut the computer, just forget it all. I actually think that kids probably have a better way of adapting to technology. I think it's just getting them over the first steps. Since I actually have two younger siblings, and I think they're better, they're they're better with technology than I am. Honestly, it's because they're always on those video games. There's always on that tablet, those phones. Since ever since they start walking, you know how normally parents they just stick give their kids their phone because you know you're crying here, watching yeah. a video, and I think from there. You see, look, you start to search up videos. So I don't think it's really that hard for kids. It's just getting them over the first leap. I think it really depends too on the kids, whether their families are able to afford phones or tablets. Because uh, she talked about it. Ms. Mm-hmm. Um, Velasco, she talked about their uh, students that didn't have technology. So they didn't have a way to access their classes. So they really didn't have much experience with them. But there were those who did have this. That I'm pretty sure they had a lot easier. Yeah, others. they'd get the funding. So now she's all good. All the kids have uh, computers and stuff to be able to access the class. But there were some that she told me about who I guess don't really have access to, to technology like before this pandemic who didn't, they were trying to connect to the class, but they called her on the class phone and were like, hey, I don't know how to get on Zoom. But they didn't even have the computer open at that point. <laughs> they just didn't know how to get there at all, didn't know how to work the computer. So I'm sure all of them know now, though. Yeah. You know, it remind me of those earlier news I watched where kids were outside McDonald's or Starbucks down yeah. with their little tablet and little phones just for class. Always one is so depressing. Like, all oh, those poor kids, <laughs> the new Wi-Fi. I felt so bad. My, uh, my husband's family actually had just moved into their new house um, when the pandemic started. And all, all of his brothers are in school right now, too. So they all had to adapt to Zoom. But they hadn't been able to connect their Wi-Fi at that point. So they were also just, like, sitting outside of Starbucks and stuff, just trying to get to class. It's crazy. Yeah, I think, like, even if you have access to a laptop or iPad, I think the Wi-Fi, even over a year later, has been, like, the biggest issue for a lot of people. Um, because it can be like really slow and like I know I have like been kicked out of some zoom meetings because I don't have like enough uh, bandwidth Um, so I also usually have my camera off as well and yeah that's just like how people have been uh, dealing with zoom and stuff like that You know, I have been uh, feeling bad for all the kids that have had to adapt for this but it's a good point that they also might be more like used to this. Um, I was talking to my mom the other day about how like I was born with a computer in the house and that was like, I'm the only one in my family that has that experience. Everyone else was older when the computer came. But um, even then there's kids growing up that have like their smartphones with them all the time. They're playing Fortnite on their phone in class. So like, I wonder for all of these kids that are really young now and have had a year of online classes, I wonder if this is, it, for the ones who are super young and this is like their formative years, I wonder if like, for us, it's really hard to be online. I wonder if for them, it's just gonna be 
almost as normal in a few years. Do you think, um, how long do you guys think the online uh, classes are gonna stick around? Do you think like this is just gonna be a permanent thing? I think probably in the fall, it'll be hybrid like um, Ms. Velasquez was saying. I know there are some parents who have reservations of sending their kids back to in-person even though the CDC is saying it's getting better. So she's gonna have to like have a camera on her as she's teaching the kids who are there in person. So for some kids, it'll be online still, but I think for college students, it probably won't be as much because a lot of them are ready to get out of their house anyway. But I think it'll still have to be an option for like international students as well. And how long do you think it will be an option for? Like, do you think uh, this is just going to be a thing for the next like 2021, 22 season? Because um, the coronavirus might even like be affecting countries in 22, 23. So like, I could see this uh, video option being a permanent option for people that might be interested. Yeah, probably. Because I know some other places are suffering like India right now I know is struggling. So if someone wanted to go to school from there, they would have to do it online, I would assume. Yeah, I think it's important to keep it as an option for at least several more years for the people who can't, who just like can't go back to in-person. Yeah, but I think so. Many teachers are gonna prefer to go back to in class. They probably miss their classroom. <laughs> Instead of having to be at home with horrible Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm sure they don't wanna be holed up in their house no more. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think that concludes our time, unless anyone else wants to make some more comments. And we'll pass it over to Anna, who's actually at the studio right now. So take it away. Yeah, um, I was just going to kind of open the conversation for anyone who wanted to talk about their views on Zoom, um, going back to class, etc. I know for me, I'm not going back to class, um, but just being able to know that my sibling would be able to go back to class, especially since he's fallen behind, because as you were saying, as your group was saying, um, the Internet issues was something very difficult, especially where I live. If you wanted Wi-Fi, it'll cost double what it would cost in the city, and that's something we can't afford. Luckily, though, the library was able to provide us with uh, hotspots. So it was the school, but it wasn't, you know, that top-grade um, Wi-Fi that you need in order to continue. Like, it would cut out. Um, it would just lag so bad. Um, then we were kind of forced to buy a T-Mobile hotspot. Um, luckily, my brother was the one that got it. Um so it was very helpful. But what do you guys think about that? Because I know a lot of us have had issues with like internet connectivity. <laughs> Giovanna, I know your Wi-Fi was not working today. How did that make you feel? Yeah, um, to be honest, I don't think it's, it's really the Wi-Fi. It's just my randomly like my computer disconnects from like the the wi-fi and i don't know like that happens even with my ps4 like it just randomly disconnects so then i, I just have to like figure that whole thing out has anyone ever had moments where they're like in the middle i'm pretty sure a lot of us have like they're in the middle of like class and it's just like you know zoom kicks you out or something how does that make y'all feel really frustrated 
I start praying to my box, hoping, encouraging every single time to hurry it up. <laughs> I have it on top of the like a little drawer that we bought, just so I think we hope that if we put it higher, they will actually get more signal. <laughs> so, it was actually in something spare for one of my professors. They actually have a sign where they're praying to their Wi-Fi, so, <laughs> so so they can actually have a school classroom. Anyone else yeah. has a similar experience? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I have an experience. Um, my dad's uh, Wi-Fi router just stopped working all of a sudden because that's what technology does. It just stops working for no reason. Um, and it was a really easy fix, um, but he didn't know how to fix it. I had to fix it, and I was lucky to be home that day. But um, I like that just circles back to like my thing. Like for old people, like any of these Wi-Fi issues are just so hard to deal with. Um, even like little things that just take like one bun to fix become like major issues. Um, and I, that really like Wi-Fi, I think is like the biggest single issue with this whole like online learning thing. Um, but I don't know if you've had similar experiences with like your parents like struggling with technology. My parents struggle with their phones so much. So like technology is not something they're good at. Um, well, that's all the time we have today. This is KDRT 95.7 Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. A rotating lineup of fresh handcrafted beers, live music, and food trucks. Open Thursday through Sundays and located at 27260 Highway 128 Winners. Information at BerryessaBrewingCo.com.